Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode this Monday, November the 27th edition of Talking Sports at Work. I am your host, Derek Persley. Thank you for, sorry to say tuning in. I don't know if that's really the, the applicable, I don't, I don't know if that's the right, uh, right term, but thank you for clicking on this podcast. Thank you for taking your time to listen if you are. You are wonderful, and I love you, and yeah, I appreciate you listening. So, got, um, now, just first off, I'll just let you know, this episode's probably going to be shorter than what I've done in the past, similar to my my last episode, which was that, uh, I called it a Black Friday special. I mean, the only thing that was really special about it was that it was, I guess, a Black Friday, it's a semi-holiday edition, and it was shorter. And, and that's really what I'm probably going to try to shoot for in the future. So maybe this is going to be the new standard moving forward. Because I know I ramble and, and I have a tendency for these episodes to be long. But the reason is, you know, I, I'm spending the first hour and the last hour of my day just driving to and from my, my work location. So, you know, for those of you, if, if this is your first time listening in, that's kind of the premise of the show. Is I'm driving, you know, to, I, I work for a, a that, well, I'm not going to say, but I, I drive for a little over an hour to get to my destination where I work and then a little over an hour to get back in the evening. So, you know, what I do is I will talk um, for a little while on my way up and then I'll, I'll, you know, pick up the episode and do kind of the second half or the final segment or whatever in the evening. So um, that's kind of our premise here. And uh, just my a little disclaimer for anyone who's wondering, this is you know totally hands-free. I'm just, uh, I'm not doing anything unsafe. I, anytime that I check my phone, if I, if I want to look at stats or a schedule or a score or something, or, you know, if I have some notes, which I don't today, um, I'm pulling over to look at that. So nothing, you know, nothing to worry about on that front. The only thing, uh, like I've said, that I do, that I might do while I'm driving is either stop or start the recording. Um, but I don't have any notes today, like I said. And and the reason for that is, I guess, like I said, I honestly wasn't even really planning on doing an episode, but I just wanted to uh, hop on for a little bit and uh, say hello to everyone. Um, and also talk about yesterday, which was wonderful. I took my boys to their very first Titans game, and it was awesome. I mean, really, and we'll go ahead and we'll say this will count as my little TMI segment for the morning, in which, you know, what I've told you guys before, but again, if this is your first time, a little gimmick, I guess, that I do, just try to spice things up or make things more interesting, is in the intro, I will tell something about myself that I normally would not be comfortable sharing with the world. So, I don't know, maybe this can count as this. This will just be my little insight into my life but I took my kids yesterday um even though maybe this isn't that juicy or whatever I don't care anyway this is my podcast so took kids to their very first Titans game yesterday and it was awesome I mean seriously like everything went about as well as it possibly could have it was so cool and you know I had taken uh my my oldest stepson who you know he's a teenager now I'd taken him last year to a game and it was fun um it was titans and the colts and it was back when we still thought that titans were good and it was before that right before that seven game losing streak um and the titans won and it looked like at that point we had locked up the afc south because everybody else was sucking and we had uh, had a several game lead at that point 
Um, but anyway, you know, it was fun, but, you know, it just wasn't, I, I don't know, great. Like, he didn't seem like he was super excited about it. Plus, whenever we, we didn't get there early enough, we only got there maybe like an, I was thinking an hour and a half, maybe two hours early, we should be fine. That was incorrect. Um, we spent... Uh, over an hour just in traffic in Nashville trying to find somewhere to park and once we finally circled around felt like the entire city and found somewhere to park um, we we had to walk forever and by the time we finally got there the game had already started so we missed the first few minutes of the game and you know our seats were not you know they were they, they weren't great they were kind of up in the nosebleeds and I mean it was fun don't get me wrong we, we had a good time but it just you know, it was kind of stressful, and, and and everything didn't go perfectly, I guess. Yesterday, though, everything seemed to go almost perfectly. Like, this time, we left super early, and I actually, I dropped my little daughter, who is three. I dropped her off uh, with my mom at seven, a little after seven in the morning, um, and she took her to get her nails done and out to lunch, which was fun. Cause I really, I feel bad about ever leaving any of the kids out of something. And that honestly kind of keeps me from doing some things that I would maybe like to do with them because, you know, I can't take all three of them. I, I could not take a, a three-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old to an NFL game by myself. That would not have been possible. So you know, I, but I just feel terrible about leaving her out of stuff. So I, my mom ended up taking her to get her nails done for the first time, which was really sweet. She was super excited about that. And they went out to lunch and they had a nice time together. So that was cool. But anyway, we left super duper early and, um, we, uh, had breakfast on the way up and then, um, everything went relatively smoothly on drive up. We ended up getting there, um, I guess it would have been that it was at least two hours before the game even started we were in our parking spot um i'm trying to think because there's a time difference between um i live in the eastern time zone but the titans that you know nashville's in central so that always gets we got there two to three hours and were parked before the game even started um so we had plenty of time to and and like right off right when we got off the interstate there was this little parking lot that was close that was on the same side of the river that was pretty close to the uh the stadium and uh, like and it wasn't crazy expensive but and so we parked there and the kids got to ride on a golf cart with a guy dressed up as Santa, which they loved because once you got to your parking spot, he drives you up to the uh, exit of the parking lot, which was neat. And also right there at the exit of the parking lot, they had like this little stand, which was kind of, I don't know, like a festival-esque or, you know, flea market type stand where they were selling uh, Titans memorabilia for very affordable prices, Not you know, probably like less than half of what you would have paid for the same stuff in the stadium so i was able to get a good parking spot give them a little golf cart ride with santa and uh buy some cool stuff for them like a foam finger and a little titan's owl thing that my my six-year-old wanted and i got a gift for my mom and for my uh my daughter and you know it was all pretty affordable and so then you know the walk to the stadium was not very long at all from there which was great um, we also, and this is, I don't know if this is, maybe this is the thing that I shouldn't be sharing with everybody, but our seats, the ones that we bought were nosebleeds. I mean, I don't make a lot of money 
me, you know, I can't afford super good seats. But I, we got there super early and we actually went down to the very front and I asked one of the security guys, can we just hang out up here and watch him warm up? And he was cool about that. So we got to, you know, stand like right up front, like not actually on the sidelines, but at the very front row and uh, see all the guys warming up. And that was super cool. And I looked, then I looked on the CE gap just to see which seats were still available. And there was a, a section, a, a, a spot of four seats that was in row L where we were already standing there at like 40 yard line. And so we just went ahead and took those seats <laughs> and it was great. I mean, now full disclosure at one point, uh, like I think it was at the end, it was, actually in the second quarter I thought we were good by that point but somebody did come and it was their seat so we moved and I actually told my oldest son you know kind of giving him the, the lowdown about what we're doing because we went to the bathroom at that point and I said you know our seats the ones that we bought are kind of way up so we might have to go to those but we'll try one more spot over here so I looked again and there was another section of like several seats it when they weren't quite as good they were a little bit higher up it was like section row cc and it was over around the on the other sideline or near the other end zone at like the 15 yard line so not great but we went we looked and there were like several like almost that whole row somehow was empty so we just went ahead and took that and then we had like two seats free on each side of us too which was awesome and so we went ahead and spent the rest of the game there. Um, the kids, you know, had a great time and they were so well behaved. And, um, you know, they were really excited. And by, you know, the by the third quarter, they were both kind of getting a little bit, you know, tired and, and maybe a little bit bored. Uh, but I thought ahead, I brought their tablets and their switches. And so, you know, they were good. So even when you know they kind of got bored I, you know they just looked at the tablet for a little bit and then they'd watch the game a little bit more and you know they were both so good we all had such a great time they got their pictures taken with cheerleaders um we got tons of great pictures and some cool videos and the titans won one which you know we'll get into that here in just a little bit um as far as what that means is that even a good thing um I think it is. Uh, We've got the Colts coming up next week. And honestly, if we win that one, we're kind of right back in things. And I know it's unlikely at this point, but we've got the Colts at home. The Titans have played much better at home this year than they have on the road. Um, In fact, I think we may have won every true home game so far. I'd have to look to be sure, but I know we've won almost every true home game. We had the game in London, which was technically a home game for us, which is so stupid. Um, but you know, we lost that one. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got several left at home. Um, I think most of our games left are at home. And so we've we've got a chance here. I mean, if honestly, if we win Sunday against the Colts, then we're kind of right back in this. Um, so yeah, I mean, this really, the, the trip was great. The win was great. Uh, Derrick Henry scored two touchdowns. My, my youngest son absolutely adores both Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. And so getting to see them kind of up close was just such a great experience for them. And yeah, we we had an absolute blast. And then, you know, the, the walk back to the car was a, a little bit more difficult. And obviously traffic getting out of there was a lot worse. And that was kind of stressful. But, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal at all. So really, I mean... 
like seriously, everything went so much better than I than I expected. I was trying to stay positive about it and you know continue to think about this as you know this isn't something to be stressed about. This is something to be excited about. It's something that we want to do and it's really cool and you know let's be positive. And I don't know, maybe that positive attitude sort of helped things. I don't know, but it was just it was so great and everything really went about as well as it could have. It's such a great experience and I really think that You know, I hope that this is something they will remember for the rest of their lives because it was just—it it really was such a blast and such a good time. Like that was—that、uh, was one of the best things that that we've done together in in a long time. And yeah,、um, uh, I, I really hope that that's one of those lasting memories for them because you never know what kids will remember. You know, they're sponges; they pick up on random shit. But you know, I hope that this is. Something that that truly is a meaningful memory for them, and I believe it should be. I know it's going to be one for me. So, with all that out of the way and all that awesomeness talked about,、um, again, going to do a bit of a shorter show today. So,、um, I will talk a little bit about the、uh, Sunday's results, Saturday's results. We had、uh, a little bit of excitement in college football.、Um, The Vols blew out the Commodores and somehow actually dropped out of the top 25 after a blowout win. That's weird, but、um, I honestly was surprised we were still in the top 25 after the Georgia loss. Anyway, so and you know, plus the CFP rankings, what really matters now anyway, and that will be coming out tomorrow, and we'll still be in that one because we were already higher in it than we were in the AP poll.、Um, uh, Ohio State. Uh, lost again to Michigan, so everybody's calling for Ryan Day's head, which is just absurd.、Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I get the frustration. But、uh, who are they really going to find better that, that's definitively better than him?、Um, uh, Louisville lost to Kentucky, which I actually called that one, and I was so close. I almost placed a bet on it and talked myself out of it because I knew I don't need to be. Risking much money because we've got this game coming up, and plus, I've got、uh, my son's birthday party this weekend, which is going to be expensive, or the following weekend. So now this coming weekend, which is going to be expensive. Two weeks after that, I've got another birthday party, which is going to be expensive. Two weeks after that's Christmas. So I, I taught myself how to place in the bet because I didn't want to risk money. Anyway, they ended up winning that one,、um, and.、Uh, And, and yeah, and then Sunday we had some really interesting results as well. So got a few things to talk about. We're gonna try to、uh, do it concisely and quickly and in entertaining fashion. So you guys hang on for just one second. I will be right back. Right, welcome back, friends.、Um, so now, full disclosure, I was driving all day yesterday that we weren't at the game, so I didn't get to watch much. Football, but I did listen to、uh, the games that were available, and I was kind of keeping up with the scores as as we were at the game as well a little bit.、Um, but the one that I did get to see a little of and listen to、uh, the whole thing of was the Bills and Eagles, which God, that has just got to be heartbreaking for Buffalo. They had that game. Now at the same time, they got screwed multiple times by the officials.、Um, I mean that was a very very one-sided.、Uh, it felt like to me game in terms of how the calls were going. I don't know what <clears throat> excuse me what the numbers ended up being, but I think it was、uh, at least two or three to one, like three to one penalties for the Bills. Now I mean that doesn't necessarily mean that the officials were were 
whatever. But, you know, when it's that lopsided, as much as it felt like it was in that game, and there were so many bad calls and missed calls in favor of the Eagles, it felt a little messed up. Um, now, I'm not saying anything. I, I don't believe that the officials are intentionally doing anything wrong, but, uh, you know, it did feel like they were, uh, you know, the calls were skewed in their favor um, or in the favor of the Eagles. But at the same time, the Bills made plenty of mistakes. Um, and somehow, again, the Eagles have been down uh, at halftime. That was the fourth game in a row that they were losing at halftime, and then they came back to win it. They uh, <clears throat> Buffalo had them down by 10 at halftime, and uh Philadelphia came back at one point, made it a three-point game, and then they extended it again to 10 um, And so in, in the third quarter. And so you thought Buffalo was going to hang on to this one. Uh, they had chances to, to put it away, but Philadelphia's offense just came to life in that second half in a big way. Ended up going to overtime, um, and uh, even then, the Bills had the chance to win it. Ended up kicking a field goal giving the ball back to Philly, and they go down and score. Um, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I have a weird, I guess, relationship or, or opinion on the Eagles. I used to be sort of an Eagles fan. You know, that was one of the, you know, maybe my NFC team, I guess. Well, I liked them and the Packers. Um, and part of that was because I always loved Andy Reid. He's always been my favorite non-Titans coach. And I just remember I loved those old Donovan McNabb uh uh, Westbrook teams and uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I used to be kind of an Eagles fan, and then I even liked them with Doug Peterson as well. But I, ever since the AJ Brown trade, I've hated the Eagles, and that's not their fault. That's John Robinson's fault. Um, but I just cannot cheer for them. You know, it just hurts me honestly seeing him now looking like you know one of the three best receivers in the league. Um, possibly the best receiver in the league, and our idiot GM at the time thought it's a good idea <clears throat> to trade away a 26-year-old superstar receiver <clears throat> for a pick that you end up taking a receiver whose NFL comp is A.J. Brown. So the absolute best-case scenario is he turns out to be as good as the guy you just traded away. And that's unlikely because that's the absolute best-case scenario. <sighs> I could uh, it just, it's ridiculous, man. It is so friggin' ridiculous. Um, all right, sorry about that interruption, friends. That's one of the many unexpected little interruptions that makes our show special. Like, we're talking sports at work. You never know what's going to happen. But honestly, it's probably for the best because I was about to go off on a, on a John Robinson rant there. So uh, maybe it's for the best that I was interrupted. So anyway, um, yeah, the Eagles, um, and, you know, and it, it's really just an envy thing. Why I, the way I feel about them, why I don't like them similar to the way the same way. I don't like the Bengals. It's, you know, it's just an envy thing. Um, but you know, the, the Eagles have just built that roster into such a powerhouse and they've gotten lucky on some things. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected Jalen Hurts to be as good as he's turned out to be. Um, you know, they, they've, they, they've been incredible at drafting. They've been great at free agent signings and they've been, and, and, uh, they've made some really, Howie Roseman has, has been incredible with making trades and acquisitions through trade to, to, uh, bolster the roster and, you know, bring in great veteran talent. Um, so yeah, I mean that, and that's why Nick Sirianni doesn't get maybe as much credit as some people think he might deserve. It's because, I mean, it feels like kind of like what I've always said about uh, I, I've always thought Doc Rivers was a little bit of an overrated coach. 
And, you know, he won that championship back with that Celtics team. But, man, I could have coached that team to a championship. That team was so ridiculously loaded. Um, you know, with Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Rondo. I mean, that, t- that team was great. Um, and, and it's kind of the same way with the Eagles, you know, and that's why Nick Sirianni doesn't get a ton of credit as a coach, just because he's got so much talent on that team that it's hard to know, you know, how much is he responsible for their success, but you got to say he's at least a good coach because, you know, even with a ton of talent, you know, if you don't have at least a good coach, it's not going to work out. Um, but yeah, the Eagles now just continue to roll and and look like the best team in football right now. Um, I really thought that that was a game that I thought Buffalo would win that one. I, it was a game that they needed to win, um, and it was a game that they should have won. Honestly, um, the, some bad calls kind of screwed them. They shot themselves in the foot a few times, but uh, they should have won that game. Um, but they didn't, you know, and, and and that's one of the differences between a a great team and a good team is the Eagles. They keep finding ways to win. They keep coming back in these games and, and, you know, that's that sort of championship DNA or winning mentality or whatever you want to call it, you know, that, that separates great, great teams from good ones. Um, so the Eagles, uh, uh, yeah, the bills are in trouble now. I mean, I've said, all season that it's felt like they have been panicking prematurely. And I think it's hurt them. I think all these sort of panic moves that they've made too early have put them in this position. Now, I guess that's kind of the chicken and the egg, you know, are they uh, panicking too early and then that's hurting them? Or are they seeing the signs that we're really in trouble already and they're trying to save it? Uh, You know, I don't know, but I think it's the former. I think they are panicking and, you know, having a players only meeting when they're still, you know, a, a game or a, like a game and a half out of their division lead when they're still in the playoff, you know, would be in the playoffs, you know, and firing their offensive coordinator because of a special team screw up. Um, you know, all these things, these things they've done that have just felt a little bit, you know, like a team that's, you know, would have, you know, would at least be under 500 would be doing Um But the Bills are in trouble. I mean, I I don't know what it is. It felt like they were maybe getting back on track. And the fact that they, you know, were able to push the Eagles to overtime and, you know, be so close to winning that game can be looked at as a good sign. But if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, man, it is tough. I I, I think it was, I think it's like the second hardest uh, strength of schedule left um, in the NFL. So they're in trouble. Um, and they're in real danger of missing out on the playoffs, even though they are one of the best teams in the AFC, it feels like. Um, so we had that game, uh, had, uh, probably the second biggest game of the, of, of Sunday was, uh, the Jags and Texans game. And I, uh, you know, I didn't watch that one. I was obviously at the Titans game, but I saw the Jags ended up winning that one. Um, so they have now extended their leaves at their lead and they were sitting or well, right now they are tied for the best record in the AFC. So I think, you know, right now, technically the Ravens are that number one seed, but, uh, Jacksonville's right there with them, you know, and, and they're a team that, um, we all knew, uh, is, is on the rise. And I said this before last season even started, I said, Jacksonville's a team now. They have the right coach. They have a golden God at quarterback. Um, 
they're going to be coming. They, they, if they can continue to build some talent on that team, which they have, you know, adding Calvin Ridley, um, you know, the Christian Kirk signing, I thought was crazy at the time. And, you know, it's kind of what shot receivers uh, salaries through the roof because it felt like they really overpaid for him. And so then, you know, Devonte and Tyreek felt like they deserved more than that dude, which they did. And so then that's kind of what set the whole AJ Brown thing in motion as well. But everybody else from that draft class got their contracts. You know, DK Metcalf got his, Terry McLaurin got his, Debo got his, but we trade away our guy. Anyway, not going on an AJ Brown rant again. Um, so what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the Jags. I said two years ago they should have hired Doug Peterson right after the Eagles fired him that year when they hired uh, Urban Meyer. I said, I, I, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. Should be interesting to watch if nothing else. But Doug Peterson would be perfect for them. Give the, give him Trevor Lawrence, put them together. That's a great match. But, you know, lucky for them, he was still available after they fired Urban Meyer. Um, and we see it's really working out well for him. Um so they are, I don't, I still don't know that they're a legit Super Bowl contender, but they are, uh, they're definitely on that fringe and they are a, a good, a good playoff team. Uh, Houston, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what to make of them. I feel like they're still kind of overperforming because CJ Stroud has been so great. And I do think that Ryan's is, is proving himself to be a very good coach and, and I said all along, he reminds me a lot of Mike Vrabel, not necessarily because their defensive systems are very different, but just in terms of, you know, personality and being that, you know, charismatic former defensive player. And they just, they, he reminds me a lot of him. And I think he's, I think he's a good coach, um, but they seem like a team on the rise. I, I, I think, again, they've been kind of overperforming similar to how the Giants did last year. Um, so I think they still have a ways to go and, and I don't know that they actually will end up making the playoffs, but, um, either way, it looks like they are on the right track. Um, but you know, then you get to us, um, and look, we're still, we're in last place in the division right now. Uh, there's, there's no way around that, but, um, it does feel like it, it, it feels like we've got the ingredients, the things in place that you want for a team to be headed in the right direction. It feels like we've got the quarterback, the coach, and the, G, and the GM now. Um, now, do I think that we're going to be a real contender either way this year? No, no. I mean, even before uh, the quarterback change and, and the terrible losses this season, no. But honestly, I mean, right now we should uh, – be we should be at five and six I, I think we're at four and seven we should be five and six we got completely screwed out of that game against the Saints there's no two ways about it the officials are the reason we lost that game they blew the play dead on that fumble that Bayard picked up and returned for a touchdown they blew it dead and then even went and reviewed it and everybody who saw that during on the broadcast everybody who wrote about it afterwards said that's obviously a fumble there, I mean it's not even that's obviously a fumble, but because they blew it dead, I think they were covering their own asses. And when they went and reviewed it, they said, no, it's an incomplete pass. But that play is what lost us the game. If they had called that correctly and not blown it dead and just let the play play out, and then they would have gone and reviewed it and said, yeah, that's a fumble that we win that game. We ended up losing that, I think by one point. So, you know, honestly, like I said, we should be right now five and six, but we're not, we're four and seven, but 
if, I mean, we've got some good pieces. I do believe that Will Levis is the real deal, even though, you know, obviously, oh, shit. Panthers fire Frank Wright just popped up on my phone. Wow. That's interesting. So I saw Frank Reich's last game uh, as the head coach of the Panthers yesterday. <laughs> How about that? Man, that sucks. I like Frank Reich. Um, yeah, that sucks. All right, well, that's something we'll get into in just a moment. Um, I'm going to go ahead and finish my thought on the Titans, which is basically if we can win against the Colts, we've got them at home uh, coming up this Sunday, then we've got a real chance to go on a run and do something. We've got the quarterback. He's now really starting to find some rhythm with the other receivers. Uh, Henry and Spears are an incredible running back duo. The offensive line has been playing better, at least. Um, and now maybe looks like just one of the worst in football, not the worst in football. Um, and the defense has been playing better lately. So, you know, we've got an opportunity. I, do I believe that it's going to happen? No, not necessarily. But I think there's finally a little bit of reason for positivity this year um, beyond just looking at the future. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm stopped at a red light right now. So I'm going to look here and see what else. Yeah. The saints had a little scare there for a minute. Um, I know they fell down 14 and fell behind 14 to nothing against the Raiders, but then they just came back and whooped them. Uh, Broncos are just going on a tear. Really are probably the hottest team in football right now. Um, they beat the Browns handily. Um, the Ravens beat the Chargers, uh, just continue to look like, uh, the best team in the AFC. Um, so yeah, we had some, had some interesting results there. It felt like there was one other thing. Well, the Steelers beat the Bengals, which, you know, they, they were supposed to. Uh, but one thing that I saw from that that stuck out, you know, they were supposed to beat the Bengals without Joe Burrow there. But one thing that I saw that stuck out was the the offensive statistics. Now, again, I didn't see the game, but I looked at some of the stats afterwards. I think that was probably Kenny Pickett's best, highest passing yards total of the season. It was, wasn't 300, but I think it was close. Najee Harris was close to 100 yards and had a really good game. Um, so, you know, maybe getting rid of Matt Canada is going to really help and give them a spark and and push them into being a, a legit team. You know, they're already uh, uh, have the record of a true contender. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, man, get into the Frank Reich thing here in a few minutes. Also the giants beat the Patriots, which is basically all that's relevant to is for, you know, draft draft picks. Um, so the Patriots now are in position to have to go for a quarterback. You know, if they just keep losing, um, and, man, the Panthers now, though, still, I think, have the worst record, either them or the Cardinals, um, but their pick belongs to the Bears. Um, so we'll take a quick break. Only got a few minutes left on uh, on this morning edition of, of Talking Sports at Work, so we'll take another quick break, uh, and, and I'll be right back. We'll talk about uh, Frank Reich maybe a little bit, the Panthers a little bit, and um, maybe try to get into some college games before uh, we run out of time. All right, friends, welcome back again. Uh, just took kind of a really quick break there. Um, but talking about Frank Reich uh, getting fired with the Panthers, yeah, that's crazy. I guess I saw Frank Reich's might end up being his last game as a, as a head coach in this league, and that sucks because I really like him. 
I, I thought it was a mistake for the Colts to fire him. I thought he was kind of getting scapegoated there. Um, and in Carolina, man, it just he had a lot of things working against him there, but it also does feel like they really underperformed this year. Um, I don't know what they're going to do from here, but I don't know how that's good for Bryce Young. I mean, he's not been what they've hoped, and honestly, he's looked like maybe uh, at best the third, maybe fourth best of those top quarterbacks who were taken. Um, you know, Strouds look like the best, and then I, I think both Levis and Richardson have looked better than Bryce Young. So, um, but you know, I, I'm, and that's not to say that I think he's a bust. I think he's still got time to develop and. And, and get better, but taking away his head coach, uh, you know, this hire is going to be very, very important. Whoever they replace him with is going to define Bryce Young's career and this franchise, obviously, for, for the next few years. Um, but, yeah, and that sucks, again, because I like Frank Reich. He's supposed to be sort of a quarterback guy. You know, he's an offensive guy and thought to be one of those quarterback guru type guys. So, you know, I guess he just – they weren't getting what they expected from him um, out of Bryce Young and the offense and don't know, you know, as with any of these cases, how much of that's his fault or how much of it's circumstantial or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the faults of others or whatever, but uh, you know, it's undeniable that this is not where they expected to be. Now they should, now how high were their expectations for this year? It's hard to say, but I don't think they should have been expecting to be anything better than around 500. Um, so, you know, if they were expecting to be able to like make a playoff run this year, then that was not realistic. Now they are in a bad division, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the end of Frank Reich in Carolina. So we'll see where they go from here. Uh, maybe they're looking at Harbaugh, you know, I, you know, he's obviously going to be the hottest name out there, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, there should be probably several NFL openings this offseason, and I imagine m- most of them will be, you know, taking a shot at Harbaugh, and uh, we'll see. Now, is that right? Or I mean, uh, I would, you know, Harbaugh didn't get fired because of results on the field with the 49ers he got fired because he just rubbed the front office the wrong way and was in such constant conflict with the brass that they just couldn't take it anymore so as far as being a football coach he's excellent but I mean you are going to be getting that same guy you know whoever hires him you're going to be getting that same guy who might not get along with everybody especially the higher ups so um, you know, we'll see, but you got to think, you know, there's one opening, um, Brandon Staley's almost certainly going to be fired. Arthur Smith's probably going to be fired. So you got, you know, the chargers and the Falcons, uh, that chargers opening, I think is going to be very, very attractive for anybody. Um, and, and this is all just projections, obviously. Um, you know, only one, I think he's the first one to have gotten fired Frank Reich. Uh, but you know, they're, they're going to, the Bears are probably going to move on from Matt Eberflus. Um, yeah, there, there will be, there will be some openings this year. Um, so yeah, there's that, um, not a lot of time left. So we'll talk briefly about, um, I, I looked a minute ago at the light and tried to 
look at the college stuff from this week, too, because we did have some really interesting games. Um, I've said I think that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is the most overrated rivalry in football uh, but or maybe in sports, but it's you know definitely been incredibly good for the last few years. It's been everything that it's been hyped up to be throughout its existence. It's actually been for the last couple of years. It's actually been that impactful, that big of a deal. Um, so, so, but yeah, Michigan now three in a row, they look like uh, at worst, the second best team in college football. Um, and they might even be, uh, the, the best. Um, they, they're just stacked everywhere. They've got a ton of talent. Um, and, and they're going to be getting their head coach back. Uh, they're going to roll over whoever they play, obviously, in the Big Ten Championship, and then probably be the second seed, well, depending on how things shake out. And that's what's really interesting right now in college football, I think, is how things are likely to shake out with the playoffs. And and this is going to be a testament, I think, this year to why they are expanding it. The, you know, the way things are going to go this year, somebody, at least one team, who's deserving to be in is going to be left out. Now, I was listening to the radio yesterday. Was it yesterday? Um, Yeah, because it was on the drive up, uh, on the drive up to Nashville. And they were talking, and I was flipping back and forth. And on ESPN, it was crazy. You had two people on there, both saying that they believe a one-loss Texas should be in over an undefeated Florida State. That's absurd. I get it. Jordan Travis is hurt. I get it. The AFC, the ACC's down this year. It's an undefeated Power Five team. It doesn't matter. That's it. That's the end of the discussion. That's it. No more. No more talk. And it's not even that. It's Florida State. It's a historic football powerhouse. I mean, it's not like we're talking about an undefeated Louisville. Uh, I mean, that's the end of the discussion. An undefeated Power Five team. They're in. Now, unless there are five or more, then they're in. You know, I mean, unless there are five or more undefeated teams and where somebody has to be left out, that's it. That's the end of the discussion. Now, you could say, who do they play? Well, who the hell does Michigan play? They really play one good team this year. Because I don't count Penn State. Penn State ain't shit. But even if you want to count them, then maybe they play one and a half good teams. I mean, who does Texas really play? They lost to Oklahoma. I mean, what's their best win? Well, no, you got to say their best win is obviously Alabama. But within their conference, Kansas? Kansas State? I mean, you look at Florida State's schedule, it's not really that much worse than, than Texas, and certainly not any worse than anybody in the Big Ten. So I just think that's absurd. And then I flip it over to Mad Dog Radio where there's Lance Meadow, who I actually got to talk to briefly last weekend. Um, and Or not last weekend, but the weekend before. Um, and he was saying exactly the same thing that I was thinking, that it's, it's just dumb to say that um, anybody, which he was talking about actually somebody else. It wasn't Texas, but another one-loss team that uh, people were trying to say should be in over an undefeated Florida State. But that's just – it's dumb. I mean – You've got an undefeated Power 5 school. If they go on, I mean, now they have to win the ACC championship. If they lose that, then yeah, they're out. They have to be undefeated, not just regular season, but the whole way. But if they do that, that's it. That's that's the end of the discussion. 
might have been Oregon maybe that he was talking about. Uh, there was somebody else. But Oregon is one team that has a real case, I think, as much as anybody. Oh, it's Ohio State. That's who it was. Yeah. He was saying that people were saying Ohio State should be in over Florida State. That's it's dumb. That's ridiculous. It's an undefeated Power 5 school. They're in. Right now, there are four of those. There's Georgia, there's Michigan, there's Washington, and Florida State. If all those teams win in their uh, conference championship games, that's that's your playoff, That those four teams. Now, what's really going to be interesting, I think, is if Alabama beats Georgia. Because if that happens... I, I think both of them have to be in. I mean, I, I don't know who then loses out, but I think that would be, in my opinion, the only way in which Florida State would not make it in if um, if they go ahead and do beat uh, Louisville in, in the championship game. I think the only realistic, uh, you know, actually justifiable way that they would not be in is if Alabama beats Georgia. Because then, which one of those teams are you keeping out? Uh, an, an SC, a one-loss SEC champion Alabama is not going to be in the playoffs? A Georgia team that has been dominant all season, undefeated in the regular season, and then falls in the conference championship game, you're going to keep them out? A team that everybody agrees is, is probably the best in the country. I mean, that's what that's the committee's worst case scenario, I think. They're all rooting for Georgia right now. Um, but yeah, and you've got, uh, and I think, you know, the winner of Oregon and Washington in the Pac 12 championship game, I think they're, that's the one spot that is secure, um, is, is that one of those two Pac 12 teams is going to be in. Beyond that, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, Michigan's probably almost certainly going to win. So they're probably going to be in and then either Washington or Oregon will be in. And then beyond that, you know, you've got some uncertainty because if Alabama wins, that's going to be chaos. Um, if Florida state wins, then I, I, I don't know how you keep them out. Um, Texas is obviously going to have that case to make, assuming that, you know, they uh, do they even still have a Big 12 championship? Yeah, they do. Um, assuming that they win that, they're going to have a case. Um, so, yeah, this year I think there is as much controversy um, in, in these final four as there have as, as there's been in a very long time, maybe ever. Um, or at least it's setting up that way. Now it could be Georgia wins, Michigan wins, uh, you know, those top four teams win and that's it. But right now it's setting up to be very interesting because I think Alabama's got a damn good chance against Georgia. Um, and, and now you could say they didn't play well against Auburn and that would be absolutely true. But I said in my, in the show last week on Friday, Auburn loves to play spoiler for Alabama and these iron bowl games, they always are almost always play them tough. And even when Auburn's not a contender, they love, they end up playing spoiler for Alabama at, at, so not frequently, but a couple of times. So that's one to watch. And, they should have won that game, man. I, I flipped over to that game, actually, um, right there at the end because, you know, we were just destroying Vandy, and I think it had gone to commercial. So I flipped over, um, and I I had been kind of flipping back and forth through the commercials at that point anyways because we were up by so much. Um, 
And so I knew the score, I knew the situation, but I, last I had seen uh, Alabama was marching and, you know, it was like first and goal. And so I went back to the Tennessee game. I came back and it's fourth and goal from the 31. And I was like, what that, I still don't know how that happened. I assume there were penalties, um, but it's fourth and goal from the 31. And, you know, it had looked like, okay, Alabama's going to go ahead and take this one. And then I flip back and it looks like, oh shit, Auburn's going to win. This is done. Fourth and goal from the 31 yard line. And I don't know what happened. All I know is that Auburn rushed two guys. That in itself is stupid. They rushed two guys. So that means they are dropping nine in coverage. They dropped nine guys in coverage. And still, somehow, Isaiah Bond ends up with a one-on-one matchup in the corner of the end zone. Nine guys in coverage. And he ends up one-on-one with this dude in the corner in the end zone. What happened? So, I mean, that's got to be heartbreaking for Auburn. Um at the same time, you know, it wasn't like they were really in, you know, uh, contention for anything meaningful this year. But still, to think, you know, to be that close to upsetting your arch rival and, and you've got them. That's it. The game's over. It's fourth and goal from the 31. You, this is done. I mean, you bring three. You just rush three guys and don't let him sit back there and, and with enough time to do his taxes. And you've got it. Rush three, rush four, even blitz and bring the pressure. Get to him before the receivers can even get down there. Do anything other than rush two guys, which is pointless. You might as well have just rushed none. I mean, yeah, seriously, what's even the point of that? But even if you just rush three or four and drop everybody else back, have them around the goal line, that's it. The game's over. But you rush two guys, give them all the time in the world to stand back there, dance around, find the right matchups, give the play time to develop, and they get exactly what they want. And there you go. And that was a beautiful throw, by the way. I mean, that was a rocket. That was a laser. It went exactly where it was supposed to go. That was that throw should go down in Alabama history. I mean, that was perfect. Um so, yeah, now here we go. Alabama and Georgia setting up for uh, what should be another really good SEC championship between those two. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, as far as uh, I think one, the other discussion that's, uh, that's interesting right now in college football is the Heisman discussion, you know, because it feels like it's pretty even right now. There's, there's not that one clear this guy's got it. It's pretty even right now, I think, between Bo Nix and, and Jaden Daniels. Now, the one big advantage that Bo Nix has at this point is he's got another game. He's got another game that's going to be, you know, a big game that everybody's watching, national broadcast, Pac-12 championship, to really go ahead and, and win the Heisman for himself. Um, Jaden Daniels does not have that. He's going to be, you know, sitting at home watching because LSU was all right. Hey, friends. Sorry again about the interruption. Um, anyway, just to finish my thought, um, Jaden Daniels, I think, statistically has been better this year. But Bo Nix, you know, is leading a team that might have a sh- might get a shot in the playoffs. Um, and he's close statistically. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one, and I think it's really going to come down to how Bo does uh, against Washington. If if they win and he leads them to victory with a decent stat line, I think that probably secures the Heisman for him. Um, if not, if they lose, and if he has a you know if if he has a decent game and they lose, then probably Daniels. If he um, has a great game, but they still lose, it might still get him. So, you know, that's that's going to be interesting. But we've got a lot, uh, you know, even though it was the final week of the regular season, still got a lot to talk about, a lot to see with college football left. Um, and, and I'm I'm out of time here, but I just want to briefly say I'm glad that Joe Milton got to go out on such a high note, even though, you know, this year did not go the way we hoped, and it was largely because he went back to being inconsistent. But I do think he's got uh, – he's going to get a shot in the NFL. You know, he'll probably be – you know, might be a third, second second round or even – I mean, somebody will draft him because he's got such a rocket for an arm and such great size and athleticism and potential. And maybe he can go to a great situation and, and somebody can develop him and get the most out of him. I mean, he's kind of like Anthony Richardson was last year. Um, wasn't great in college, uh, but has just got such incredible potential. So he may even jump into the late first round, but we'll see. But I was glad to see him go out on such a high note. You know, he ended up with uh, 383 passing, I think, and uh, multiple passing and rushing touchdowns. So that was nice. And it was awesome to get to see Nico come in for a little bit. Now that game went kind of crazy with the, the fights and some of that stuff. And, and just a quick side note on that. If you did watch the Tennessee Vanderbilt game, um, is it Clark Lee? I think that's his name. The Vandy head coach. He was pissed. And honestly, he had a right to be because, but I don't think he had a right to be mad at the Vols, but he had a right to be mad at the officials. Very much so, because twice in a row, they blew, they the evidently were supposed to have blown the play dead, but didn't. I didn't hear a whistle. I was watching the game, you know, had the volume turned up. I didn't hear a whistle either time. Clearly, the defense didn't hear a whistle because they kept playing. But I don't know what it was, what went wrong, but they should have blown both of those plays dead twice in a row their quarterback got leveled because nobody heard a whistle or at least I didn't it seemed like the offense stopped playing both times but the defense didn't so he had a right to be pissed in that one um and and I would have been you know furious because it ended up you know their quarterback ended up injured um now I don't know if it was in that sequence when he got hurt or if it was just right afterwards but I mean, he got leveled twice because they didn't blow the play dead. Or, you know, even if they did, it was too loud to hear and they didn't make a point of running out and stopping the play. Um, but yeah, anyway, it was good to see us do what we were supposed to do against Vanderbilt and end the regular season on a high note. We'll see where we end up with the bowl game. Um, you know, I saw a couple things that were projecting the Gator Bowl, which that would be okay, I guess. But um, yeah. Um, it's another regular season in the books and the future is very bright on Rocky top with Nico and, and some of these recruiting classes that we've had and, and got coming in. So um, with all that being said, I'll go ahead and close out today's morning segment of talking sports at work. I want to thank everybody for listening in. Um, I will be back in what will for me be several hours, but for you guys will probably only be a few seconds. So uh, we'll see you soon.
Hello, friends, and welcome to the evening edition of Talking Sports at Work. I am your host, Eric Persley, and i uh, got a few things to talk about on this evening edition. Something that I'm a little bit fired up about, and, you know, it just occurred to me. I, I wonder if I should start, instead of cutting, doing the episodes like this, where I'm doing half in the morning and then half in the evening maybe I should do like a morning episode and then an evening episode and like split them and you know publish them as separate episodes that might be a better idea because I mean I'm already trying to find ways to make the episodes a little bit shorter um, because I know that very few people are actually going to sit down and listen to me ramble for over an hour so maybe maybe that would be a good idea um this might be you might be hearing the final uh full-length episode with the morning and evening edition. I really might consider that. Excuse me. Um, So anyway, uh, at least for this episode, we're going to keep doing it the traditional way. And again, this is is an evolving thing. This is my first time doing anything like this. I just started a couple of weeks ago. I've never done a podcast before. You know, I've done, I've I've written about sports before, uh, mainly football. Um, And, you know, I've I've talked uh, like, like on little, uh, Instagram videos and stuff about sports and done little things, but I've never done a podcast. I don't even really know that much about podcasts. I'm still learning. So this is very, very much a work in progress still. Um, and so if you are tuning in, if that's the correct nomenclature, um, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're wonderful and you're awesome and I love you. Um, if you're not, then uh, screw you. You can't hear this anyway, so who cares? Uh, but anyway, got a few things to talk about. I mentioned in the morning block, um, that Frank Reich was fired by the Panthers. And I also mentioned that it feels like there could be a lot of head coach openings um, this offseason. And then it's funny that um, a few hours ago, I saw a notification on my phone from where Adam Schefter evidently said the exact same thing um, on the Pat McAfee show. And he said he believes there could be seven to ten openings uh, for head coaches in the NFL uh, this offseason. Excuse me, so... Shortly after I saw that, or really just a few minutes ago, I, I, I stopped and I, I kind of made a list and thought about, you know, who are the teams that are likely or either will or are likely to fire their head coach or be looking for a new one this offseason. So I've got the list here, <clears throat> excuse me, and again, for anybody who's wondering, anytime that I do something like that and look up some stats or, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, if I'm looking up something, I'm always pulling over to do anything like that. But I happen to have it pulled up. I have my notes pulled up on my phone already, which is, you know, mounted up here for my, usually use it for my maps. Uh, so I'm not doing anything with my phone, not being unsafe, but I do have my list pulled up here already. And uh, so we've already got two. We've got, uh, which I forgot about this morning. We've got uh, Josh McDaniels was fired a couple weeks ago. Uh, which, you know, that just in and of itself is, a, is an interesting thing because he was, you know, supposed to be such a big deal. And I think it was Kyle Brandt uh, uh, a while back, like a year or so ago, referred to him as the prince who was promised for head coaching candidates. And I thought that was a really good, uh, really good analogy. And anyone who's a, a Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire fans would know that reference. Um, but, you know, even if you don't, it's, it's kind of obvious what it's talking about. You know, because he was like the chosen one, you know, everybody was waiting. When's Josh McDaniels going to take another job? And, 
you know, he took that Colts job and then for some reason changed his mind. And I wonder if maybe he had some inside intel that Andrew Luck was considering retirement or something at that point, but I don't know. Um, but, you know, I never understood that. It didn't make a lot of sense to me why everybody was so high on him. I mean, he failed the first time in Denver. Now, sure, he was he probably learned some and grown a little bit, but normally it feels like to me with head coaches, if they fail the first time, they're not going to be much better if they get another opportunity. The only way that happens is if somehow they they didn't necessarily fail, but maybe they were just in a bad situation or, you know, they, they didn't really get a fair shot. Um, you know, I kind of feel like that was, um, that was the case for, I don't know, God, I, I wish I should, I should have made some notes about that, because now I can't even think of who, who I was thinking of, but there were, there were some guys that I was thinking about, well, like Andy Reid, you know, he was a great coach in the Eagles, uh, for the Eagles, and then things just went downhill, and, you know, he got another shot somewhere else. Um, I honestly, I would have said Frank Reich, uh, but I guess I would have been wrong about that one. Um, you know, but guys who just really didn't get a fair shake, like the guy who was fired in Arizona a couple after one year, a couple years ago, David Culley, who was fired by Houston after one year, you know, those are guys where maybe if they get another chance, they will be good because they weren't just fired for straight up failing and sucking as a head coach. But Josh McDaniels did suck as a head coach and was fired for it. So, you know, most of the time, and obviously this is not all the time, you know, none of these things are constants or 100%, but most of the time it feels like when you see, when a coach shows you who he is, it, the next time around, he's still going to be the same guy. Um, and that was the case with Josh McDaniels. So anyway, I got off, I got off topic there. Getting back to what we were talking about. So the Raiders would be one opening. Uh, the Panthers, those are the two that we know about for sure. And then I made a little list here of the potential ones. So you've got the Bears. Um, you know, they've, they've been really up and down. They were awful to start the season, but they've won a couple of games. And, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes, but it feels like that's very likely to be an opening. The Chargers will likely be uh, have a vacancy there. Brandon Staley is just clearly not working there, and it feels like he should have already been fired after last season. You know, they've just got so much talent on that team. You know, crazy good. Uh, they should not be... Oh, what happened here? Uh, I think... All right, hey again, friends. Sorry about the interruption there. Another one of those wonderful, random events that makes this show special while we are talking sports at work. So I don't know what at work. I don't know what happened. I was sitting at a red light, and for some reason, the Bluetooth on the car went to the radio, which was all static, and that's usually a signal that I've got a couple seconds left before the entire thing cuts out, and that's what happened. So anyway, um, talking about the Chargers, they just they should be so much better. Just, I love Justin Herbert. Yeah, I've loved him for a while. Uh, you know, but anyway, I'm not even going down uh, down that road. I'm get, I'm, I'm going to stay on topic here this time. So uh, the Chargers will likely be an opening. Um, the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles is a guy who, uh, you know, it, it, I, I thought even he might be one of those guys that maybe if he got another opportunity, he might be good just because the Jets are generally suck and they destroy uh, quarterbacks and coaches. It's just an organizational thing, but He's not working with the Bucks either, so you know he's that's likely to be. Honestly, every team in the NFC South very well could be looking for a new coach. Uh, uh, the Falcons are probably going to fire Arthur Smith. Um, uh, the Saints, you know, I, I don't know that they ever really thought Dennis Allen was the long term answer there. It felt like he was kind of a placeholder hire. 
Um, and, and obviously, uh, the Panthers. So, I mean, really at least three of those teams are probably going to be looking for a head coach and, and the saints might be as well. Um, the commanders, I, Ron Rivera is another guy who I really like, and it seems like everybody really likes Ron Rivera, but he's just not working out there. Um, a couple of wild cards as well. The bills, you know, I've heard whispers and I mean, they are definitely, coming up short this year. And I've talked about, you know, all the panic there, the premature panic, and, and it feels like there's kind of some chaos and some stuff that should not be going on in a, in a talented, successful organization. And I have heard some rumors that, you know, Sean McDermott might, might be gone. Um, you know, and, and the thinking behind that might be kind of like, you know, he got them back to contention, but he can't seem to get them over the hump and maybe they need to bring in a new guy who can really take them from being, you know, a really good playoff team to a real Super Bowl contender. So that's a possibility. I don't think that one's going to happen, but it's, it's possible. Um, and then the Patriots are another possibility. You know, we've been hearing that all season now, you know, I can't see a world in which they fire Bill Belichick, but I can imagine one where he and Robert Kraft kind of come to a mutual understanding um, and you know, he moves on now, if that happens, does he go coach somewhere else? I mean, what, you know, what's going to happen there? You know, Bill Belichick might be available and on the market for some of these teams. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is obviously going to be in the running and there will obviously be lots of, uh, uh, you know, hot, um, coordinators talked about, and I'm sure they will start talking about some college coaches that might be, might be, uh, possible NFL guys. Um, so it's going to be an interesting coaching cycle. Now, anyway, I started this segment by saying I was fired up about something. And what I'm talking about there is related to what I'm talking about here, because I was just looking through uh, Bleacher Report a few minutes ago when I stopped um, at my last stop and looking for, you know, topics to talk about in this, in this segment. And I saw this article that said, is Mike Vrabel trying to force his way out of Tennessee? And honestly, what the fuck? I mean, no, that cannot be right. And and the talk is basically to, to sum up the thinking here, the talk is that the Patriots are wanting to move on from Bill Belichick. And if they do that, they're going to want Brable to replace him. And the Titans might work out some sort of trade with the Patriots where, you know, we give them Brable, they give us a bunch of picks or some shit. And now, from what I understand, this was already mentioned as a possibility to Amy Adams-Strunk last week, and she said, no, that is out of the question. That is not happening. But, uh, you know, I, when I read this article, it said that the relationship between Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon, it's no secret that it's not a good relationship. And again, what the fuck? Because wasn't that the problem with John Robinson? Wasn't it Mike Vrabel who it, it basically came down to a situation where it's either him or me, one of us has to go, and Robinson was out the door after that A.J. Brown game? Um, wasn't the whole point of bringing in Rand Carthon to be a guy who would be on the same page with the head coach? That was the whole thing they were preaching the entire time for like months uh, uh, around his hiring was the cooperation. I don't know how many times I heard that word, cooperation and and all the, you know, communication and all those cooperative words, you know, about how this was going to be a collaboration. That was another one. You know, you kept hearing that was what this was all about with him and Rand Carthon. 
You know, Ran is going to be a guy who's going to be working with Mike, and they're going to be on the same page trying to build this roster and build this team. And and now, apparently, without me knowing it, this relationship has somehow devolved or you know gone to the gone to shit. I don't know. That's the first thing I've heard about it. So I don't know the specifics of this. I'll I'll probably look into it later when I get a chance. But I mean, what the hell? Really, that was like the whole thing was Rand Carthon and Mike Brable were supposed to have been on the same page. Mike Brable had a big hand in hiring Rand Carthon. So, excuse me just a moment. Getting so fired up that I had to, my mouth was getting dry, I guess. I had to take a sip of my drink here. Um, but again, I mean, that was just, that, that, that shocked me, honestly. I mean, you know, first of all, to hear even the discussion that Vrabel might be wanting out and that we might consider trading him. And, you know, obviously the Patriots ties, you know, I mean, that's obvious. Um, But then on top of that, to read that evidently now he and Rand Carthon have some sort of contentious, bad relationship. I had no idea. So I don't know, man, but I don't like the sound of that. Now, it could just be that when your team is losing, there's drama. There's finger pointing, there's blaming, there's, you know, a drama, there's, you know, toxicity, there, there's, there's shit to deal with. There's bad things whenever your team is losing. So now this could just be that, you know, this could just be the team isn't doing well. And so everybody's kind of frustrated and, you know, so there's, there's some finger pointing, there's some, you know, the media stirring things up a little bit. I don't know. I mean, honestly, if I had to guess, that's what I would say it is. I, I'd, I'd say there's probably not really much content to it or truth to it, but it's really just, you know, the team's not doing well, so everybody's going to start talking. Um, and that's also what I hope it is. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I said, this is the first I had I had heard about. I mean, obviously, I'd heard about the talk about the Patriots might want Brable, but I never thought that, you know, there was any real, you know, fire to the smoke at, at all. Um, and I, I still hope that there's not because, you know, I, I just want to go again on the record as saying any Titans fans who are saying we should be firing Mike Brable are idiots, just flat out idiots. That's just stupid. And even the thought of trading him. No, no, there's really nothing we could get that would be, you know, a reasonable value. The only possibility even is if the Patriots maybe end up with the number one overall pick, and then, I I guess maybe, and if we were able to get Caleb Williams, I don't know, but uh, no, no, no. Even that is not a certainty. It's not a certainty as much as a really good head coach who was coach of the year a couple years ago. I mean, and look, I get it. I get the frustrations with him. I get that, you know, as far as his staff goes, he's made some mistakes. He can tend to be too loyal to his guys, you know, and I get the frustration with this sort of old school mentality and, you know, the tough, you know, the tough guy, we're going to be physical. We're going to run the ball. I get the frustration with that. I do. I, I would much rather us throw the ball around and, uh, you know, and have an Andy Reid offense. That's why I was so excited whenever there was the talk of Eric Bieniemy possibly coming in as ROC this offseason. And obviously that didn't work out. But as much as anything, that's the personnel. 
you, you, it's easier to throw the ball around and play in an Andy Reid-esque offense when you've got Patrick Mahomes or Jonathan McNabb. I mean, when you've got, you know, a, a rookie in Will Levis or, you know, a, a Ryan Tannehill and a terrible offensive line and one decent receiver, it's hard to play that kind of game. But when you've got an, a demigod in the backfield as a running back who's, you know, a Hall of Famer, and I mean, then that's the way you're going to play. So I, again, I've also said I like Tim Kelly as a play caller. I know the offense hasn't been great this year, but again, I think that's all personnel. John Robinson really, really screwed up this roster with years of terrible drafts and bad free agent contracts. And uh, the big one, you know, the trading away a 26 year old superstar receiver because you don't want to pay him. Um, so that's, I again, I think the problem with, with this team. It's not the coach. It's not the current GM. It's the fact that it's going to take us a while to dig out of this hole, to rebuild this roster into a competitive one. And I think the proof, any, any more proof that you might need that Mike Vrabel's a great head coach, just look at what he's done with inferior talent for the last few years. I mean, we, this, you know, this is just going to be the second time I think we've missed the playoffs with him. Except we might have that first year. I, I don't know. But we got we went nine and seven every year with him for the first three years. And then, you know, we really started rolling. We made the AFC championship that one year with Tan Tannehill's first year. And then uh the year after that, I think was the year that we were the number one seed in the in the AFC and with our entire roster injured, literally the most injured team in the history of football. We used ninety something players that year and were the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, just look at what he's done with inferior talent. That's the problem. Not the coaching, not the head coach, not the offensive coordinator, not the defensive coordinator. It's the talent. We just don't have enough. And I I believe that Rand Carthon can do a good job of rebuilding it because I think he, he hit this last draft out of the park, you know, with, with Skaronsky, Levis, Spears. I mean, I, I think he did a great job in his first draft. Um you know, the Andre Dillard signing was terrible, but there weren't many other options. Um, but I think, I think we can, he can, sorry, I'm pulling over here. I, I think that we can, uh, he might be the guy to rebuild it. Now, the only, you know, you can't know that for sure. The only way to really know how good a GM is going to be is to watch what he does over the course of at least a couple of years. So we'll see, but I do know that you know, I like what I've heard from him. He seems like a, a, a smart, likable guy. He comes from that 49ers front office, which is basically like a front office clinic nowadays. And um, so, but now to hear that he and Mike Vrabel are evidently in conflict and don't have a good relationship, I don't know what to make of that. So, I, you know, this, like I said, this just kind of threw me for a loop. I don't know what to make of that, but... I, I think and I hope that it's just the drama of a struggling team. I really think that's what it is. There may be some truth to it, though. I don't know. Um, I guess just time will tell with that. But what I can say definitively is that I believe Mike Vrabel is, at worst, a very good football coach. I believe Rand Carthon is good at drafting. And I believe that this roster is going to take time to rebuild. And if we've got, the, I've said this before, the three most in, important ingredients by far 
for the long-term success of an of an organization, quarterback, coach, GM. The everything else combined is not nearly as important as those three factors. We have, I think, all three of those in place now. It's just going to take time to build the talent to go with it. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to pause for a minute. I am going to run in here and I might buy a Red Bull, even though it's 5 p.m. and I probably shouldn't. Maybe I'll just drink half of it. Um, yeah, but anyway, I'm going to pause for a minute and I will be right back. Alrighty, friends, welcome back. So made a quick stop at the uh, at the dollar store there, and there are Dollar Generals everywhere out here where I'm uh, where I where I work. Um, and anyway, I love them. Um, so I, I did buy a Red Bull, but I'm only going to drink half of it because it's it's getting late. And I mean, anyway, I, I don't I don't think I'll be having too much trouble going to sleep tonight because, you know, it was a, it was a crazy day yesterday. I mentioned, you know, we went to the Titans game, which was just such a blast. Um, and but, you know, with that being the case, we didn't get back home till late and had to do baths. And by the time I got the kids and myself in bed, it was already after 10 o'clock. And normally I try to get them in bed by like 830. So, um, yeah. And for myself, I don't know what time it was when I finally fell asleep, but we also have to get up and going really early on Mondays. Um, so, you know, we're, I'm up before six. Um, anyway, so we were talking about the, uh, the coach openings. I've made my stance clear, I think on my gravel. Um, and just really quickly, I, I'm, I, I, again, I'm going to keep this shorter, I think, but I do want to talk about, you know, uh, if we are looking at those openings, because I love this kind of stuff. I love the coach carousel. I love the off-season stuff. I'm always really into the draft, um, you know, and I, I, I like it when, my, when that stuff is not as important to my team. And I wonder if maybe one of the reasons why I love that stuff so much is because, you know, when your team is usually struggling or mediocre, you know, the, the offseason is very important to you. And then when we got good for a couple of years there, it wasn't as important. And, you know, but now anyway, so I like looking at the coach carousel and thinking about the openings that are that are available. Um, and, and I'm just going to look here. And again, I've got my list already pulled up. I'm not messing with my phone, but just glancing over here, the Raiders. Um, I don't know about that. One. I really think they should give Antonio Pierce a, an actual shot with that team. Um, and see what he can do. But I, there's not a lot of talent there. They're going to be going into a rebuilding phase. So unless they end up with a really high draft pick, I don't know how appealing that job is. The Panthers really just depends entirely on how much you believe in Bryce Young. If you really do think that he is you know, worthy of that number one pick and what we all thought he was you know, before the season started, then that's a very, very appealing opening. And, and generally, that is the most important thing when you're talking about how appealing these openings are, I think, is the quarterback position. And that brings me to the Bears, which have a lot of uncertainty there, but also looks like they're probably going to have two picks in the top five, and when one of which might be the number one overall. So if that's the case, then I think the Bears are probably either first or second most appealing job right now because you've got uh, you know, an opportunity to really start rebuilding that team the the way you want to, kind of like what Houston did with with Miko Ryan's last offseason and how they, 
you know, took their quarterback and then traded way, way up, gave up a whole lot, in my opinion, too much for a defensive player, but they got a leader on offense, a leader on defense, and, you know, really started to rebuild that team. Um, and, and you'll have the opportunity to do that with the Bears, most likely. So that's looking like a very appealing uh, position right now, not to mention the fact that you can probably get something for Justin Fields. Um, you know, I don't know how much he's going to be worth at this point, but we'll see. Um the Chargers, I think, just right now, with all that we know, are is definitely the most appealing because if they bring in the right guy, they can be a Super Bowl contender next year. They have all that you would want, all the talent on that team, on both sides of the ball. I mean, that team, and that's why I, I think Brandon Staley should have already been fired because it, it, it feels like I could coach that team to the playoffs. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you've got a superstar quarterback, you've got stars all over the defense, you've got a great receiving core, a good young offensive line, assuming you keep Austin Eckler, you've got a Pro Bowl running back. I mean, yeah, that, that, a, a coach could, a good coach could walk into that place and they could be a Super Bowl contender next year. So I, I say that is probably, yes, that is still the most appealing option. So Harbaugh, if you're thinking about, you know, coming back to the NFL, you got to think that's the one he's probably looking at. Um, after that, I think would be the Bears. Um, the Commanders, I don't know. Again, that kind of depends on your how you feel about Sam Howell. Um, but, you know, they already started kind of selling off assets and not getting much back for them. Um, giving up Chase Young for a friggin' uh, condition or not a conditional, uh, compensatory third round pick. They got a second rounder for Montez Sweat, but you know, I, I don't see that one as being super appealing, but there is still some talent on that team, but uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. And if Sam Howell is a franchise quarterback, then that one could be a good situation. They, they do have talent there. Um, the Bills I mentioned are a possibility. Obviously, if that happens, then yeah, that's a super appealing job. But I, I doubt that. That's just one that I have a question mark next to. The Patriots right now don't look super appealing for multiple reasons. I mean, one is just on the surface. There's not a lot of talent on that team. Now, if they end up with a very high draft pick and maybe, you know, a, a Drake May type draft pick, then that makes it more appealing. But I think under the surface, there's more to that as well. And the fact that you're about to have to follow the greatest of all time, you know, you're the, the bar is going to be so crazy high for any new coach at the Patriots that I think even that's going to be a little bit intimidating and make that job a little less appealing. Um, so, so yeah, and then I mentioned the Saints as a possibility. I think that could be a good team, but, uh, you know, has, has the Derek Carr experiment already failed? I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I, I do think, though, that there are two job openings right now that are, or that will be job openings by the offseason that I think would be super appealing to anybody. And that's the Chargers and assuming the Bears end up with the number one overall pick and another one in the top five, the Bears. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about that. I'm going to go ahead and cut this segment off and start a new one because there's one last thing I want to talk about and then we'll say goodnight. So 
Give me just one moment. I'll be right back. All righty, friends. Thanks again for tuning in to Talking Sports at Work. And this is our closing final final segment, closing thoughts, whatever you want to call it for the day. Um, so every bowl proje- projection that I have looked at so far has the balls in the Gator Bowl, which, um, you know, it's whatever. I, I guess given the way this season has gone, it's uh, – now, not bad. It's, it's uh, makes sense. Um, it's obviously disappointing if you look at the expectations preseason. But you know, again, given the way this year has gone and the, our record, um, that seems about right. And most of the projections that I've seen have us playing North Carolina in the Gator Bowl, and I honestly believe we'd wipe the floor with them. Um, and the Gator Bowl, I don't know. You know there, there are just so many friggin' bowls. You can't keep up with them all, but I look at the Gator Bowl as sort of being on that third tier. You know, I don't know what the official like rankings are or importance or whatever, but it, it, that's just how it feels to me. Where you've got like obviously the college football playoff games are the top tier, um, and then the second tier would be the New Year's Six games, and then after that you've got uh, the Citrus Bowl, the Gator Bowl, maybe the Music City Bowl, you know, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that would be, I, I guess that would be a good way for Joe Milton to close out his career. Maybe he could, you know, I, like I said, I do think we would probably demolish North Carolina. So maybe he could really put on a show and, you know, uh, impress some NFL scouts in his last game. Um, but yeah, and again, the future is very, very promising very exciting on rocky top you know we got to see some of nico on saturday which was very exciting and he still gets to keep his red shirt because the rule is um as long as he plays in four games or fewer which he did um so he will come into next season i guess as a red shirt freshman and the presumptive starter um with some talented receivers and uh what you hope is going to be a really good offensive line I imagine the running back room will, I, I guess Jalen Wright will probably go to the NFL. And I think Jabari Small might be out of eligibility. It feels like he's been around for a long time. Uh, but Dylan Sampson is obviously very good. We've got uh, some really good young players coming up. Peyton Lewis, I remember, uh, is a four-star recruit, I think, this in this cycle. Uh, but we've got some good young players at that position. So, you know, the offense should be very, very exciting next year. Um, and the defense, it feels like, was much improved this year from, <clears throat> from you know, Heupel's first couple of seasons. So if that improvement can continue, which you think it will, because we have continued to get some really good recruits on that side of the ball as well. So the future's bright on Rocky Top. Um, you know, there's always sort of that letdown feeling at the end of the season where, you know, now here we are again, back to uh, – just waiting more months until football season starts again, but we do still have the NFL and um, we've still got the bowl games and, you know, for just casual fans or, you know, fans of other teams, obviously there's still a lot on the line. Uh, We've got the championship games coming up Saturday, but I'm just talking about as a Vols fan, obviously, you know, that's kind of the way you see it is we just got the, you know, crappy, well, not crappy, but a third tier bowl game and then waiting more months for the future. Um, but you know, we do have a lot to look forward to also another college football game, NCAA football, or I don't know what they're going to call it, but 
EA Sports College football is coming back next year. And honestly, I'm, I'm as excited about that as I am about anything else um, that I just cannot wait for. I was really, I, I think I've talked about it before. I was heartbroken. Who the hell is at my front door? Oh, it's a delivery. Sorry, I just got a ring notification. Um, it's a mailman. Um, but uh, yeah, I am so excited about that. That was such a big deal to me, and I was so heartbroken when it went away. Um, so yeah, we do have a lot to be excited about. We've got one more game to look forward to, and then just as casual you know, football fans in general, there is still a lot to be excited about, um, a lot to be determined in terms of you know, conference champions and the college football playoff could become totally chaotic. And I honestly hope Alabama wins because I want to see the chaos. Um, and, and that is, I think, the the worst case scenario for the selection committee. They are uh, just hoping that that does not happen. And there are a lot of things that could upset the balance. But I think that's the one thing that would make it the most chaotic and difficult to decide. Um so, yeah, got a lot to look forward to. Um, I will most likely be back tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know if I'll do a show tomorrow or not. You know, I don't obviously do it every day. I do usually do a little bit most days, but I don't always publish it. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how I feel about tomorrow. But I, in general, feel I'm, I'm feeling really good. Had a great day yesterday. Had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys did. I hope you had a great uh, great holiday, great uh Thanksgiving and Black Friday shopping experience and a great football weekend. Um, And I hope you have a great week this week. So thank you again. I love you if you are listening and I will talk to you again soon.